be able to see for three days now with that thing shining in my face. Revelation chapter 6 is where we are. Revelation chapter 6. Today we're getting into the seals and uh, opening them up and seeing what's inside. The goal is to get through the first three tonight. Um, and then we'll roll on from there next week. Things that occur here in this chapter are things that are evident today. Um, the, the difference really between what we're seeing today and what we see here in these seals is the restraint of God. Today there is the restraint of God. As the seals begin to open, the restraint that God has begins to lift um, each, each seal, it, it goes a little further, and uh, where God allows um, more and more things. And, uh, you know, God, his restraint, when it's removed, wickedness will look like it has won. It's kind of like when Christ was crucified, the look, the appearance of it was, you know, we lost. <laughs> uh, that Satan won. And that's, that's what it's going to look like. And uh, it's not the case, of course. I believe that all this that comes um, follows the rapture. Um, but as you look through them, each seal is open one at a time. Um, and with each seal, like I said, the restraint of God is slowly being removed off um, uh, 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 with, each, with each one. So let's look at the first six verses. Revelation 6, starting in verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So we'll look at these three seals today, but let's pray and ask for the Lord's help first. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to come, uh, to look into your word together, uh, to learn, uh, to uh, help us prepare, and help us uh, see the urgency of the opportunities with the gospel that we have now. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to draw closer to you, to know you better as a result of your word tonight. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We start off with seal number one covered in the first two verses, and we see the, uh, the lamb that we looked at back in verse, uh, chapter number five begins to open the seal, and uh, as it does, a noise of thunder, uh, a voice it would seem, uh, and one of the four beasts says, come and see. With each seal, we see that invitation, come and see. And, uh, and so they open the first seal, and when they do, uh, when the lamb does, we see a white horse. The Bible uses a horse throughout Scripture to symbolize war. 
Uh, and in this case, uh, we'll see the, uh, the same thing. Each, each horse that we're seeing represents a different aspect or a uh, more uh, brutal aspect of war on peace, war on the earth, uh, war uh, going throughout. And so the white here suggests victory, uh, but a pure victory or a clean victory. Let not a lot of bloodshed. Um, maybe more of a uh, um, war with words. Uh, I saw one one person compare it to the Cold War, where there's never actually shots fired, uh, but there was a lot of fear and a lot of convincing that went on. And if you think about today's day and time, and you think about how someone can overtake a country without shooting anyone. Um, I think we would probably be more open to understanding that's a reality maybe than we were a couple decades ago, uh, where the, the, the media uh, can put out whatever it wants and it's controlled, you know, the narratives are controlled and you hear what they want you to hear. We saw it, and I'm not, I'm not going to go on a COVID rant by any stretch of the imagination, so stick with me. Um, but we saw it with, with, with the COVID pandemic, where we got information. And early on, you know, there was a lot of just trying to figure out what was happening. But then as it went on, there were things that were being said that were proven to not be true. And yet, it just kept on coming out. And a lot of people believed it even though the facts and the sciences prove that it wasn't the case. And you can see just how, how easily people can be manipulated um, through the media, through uh, governments. We, you can go all the way back to the Hitler and the Nazi regime and just see how things were controlled, how people were controlled by just a narrative being, being spewed out. And so this first seal is a representation of that, a, to a degree, a peaceful war, if that is such a thing. Uh, the bow representing the fact that the objects are far-reaching, uh, but they're in view. Uh, with a bow, you would think, especially back then, um, it's something that you could shoot further away than with a sword, right? Um, you can fight with a bow, uh, and if you're in range of the bow, uh, then obviously you can do damage. Um, if you're in the range of a sword, obviously you can do damage. But the idea here is that the uh, objective is in view, but maybe a little far out. The crown is a showing of success, that this is going to be successful. And so when you look at verse number two and you see the white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. So you see this movement here of, uh, of conquering, of victory, of success, but without having to actually have bloodshed at this point. So uh, if we had to choose between a bloody war and a non-bloody war, we would go non-bloody, I would think, at the least, most of the time. And, uh, and, and that's what it begins. But remember, this is seal number one. It's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse. Now, who's on the horse? Uh, that's a, 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 I think, a, a well-debated topic. <laughs> Based on the entirety of the passage, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be a, a person so much as a characteristic or a personification. And, uh, and, and each one is more unpleasant than the previous one. And the rider, especially this one on the white horse, is victorious with relative ease. Not a whole lot of resistance coming um, here. Uh, I think when we look at it, it's easy enough to see that this is a more of a um, ideology 
uh, more of a uh, philosophy that overtakes people versus anything else. And again, I think if we look at today's time, we can see how this is possible. Uh, but it's not just today's time. Like I said, I think, I think the Nazis might be as good of an example as anything, how they were over, uh, able to spread an ideology um, as, as wicked and corrupt and just so unhumane, uh, yet they were able to do it over a country for the most part, or at least half a country. And, and so in today's time, the ability to spread things uh, through social media and TV and radio and whatever else is out there, phones, is so much easier now, um, you could understand how this could happen. So it's a, I believe at the very least, um, ideologies, blasphemous philosophies. Um, we read about the Antichrist and what he's going to push and the ideology that the Antichrist has. And I think this is what we're talking about. And so uh, we come into this and we see lies and deception and we're going to see society being prepared um, to receive the lies that are going to be given. Hold your place in Revelation. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's look at two verses in 2 Thessalonians. Or a couple verses, I guess. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. We're going to read several, several verses. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he is as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Uh, and now know ye therefore, or now ye know, that uh, what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who doth now letteth will let until he taketh out of the way. And when shall that wicked be revealed? Look at the word wicked there. In my Bible, it's capitalized. I assume it is in yours as well. Um, so we're talking about a uh, person being. Um, and, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. And they, let me make sure, let's see here. Yeah. Um, and they all might, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's coming a time where there's going to be a great deception and it's going to flood the earth, and it is going to deceive most. And we have to be aware of that. In this white horse, in this first seal, we see this idea of a conquering um, person uh, and with very little bloodshed or no bloodshed. It's all through just philosophy, um, ideology, and it comes through as well. Um, oh, I forgot I was going to read that to you. Hang on. Talking about um, 
the spread of ideology, um, humanistic philosophy, um, and how it's already present. And this was written back in, I think, uh, the 50s, 60s, 70s, all right? Um, so here's, a, here's what uh, humanism, secular religion, um, the, what it promotes, what it emphasizes. Evolution, saying there's no real evidence that God exists. The universe is the result of chance. Life forms gradually emerge over millions of years. That's what evolution is. Uh, situation ethics. Man is the final authority for his own actions. There's no absolute rules. Moral freedom. Everyone, including children of any age, should be exposed to all viewpoints that are realistic, in parentheses, including profanity, immorality, and perversion, all seen as acceptable methods of self-expression. The Christian gospel is not realistic, so it has no place in this system. Uh, self-sufficiency. Man is not accountable to any higher power, only responsible to himself. Sexual permissiveness. All forms of sexual expression are acceptable and should be taught in schools free from biblical bias. Anti-religious bias. Uh, religion is harmful. It is either meaningless or irrelevant to the question of the survival and fulfillment of the human race. Socialism. Government ownership or control of the economy should replace private enterprise and private ownership of property. There should be an all-pervasive welfare state. One world government. Global citizenship uh, should replace national self-determination. There should be a system of world law enforced by an international police force transcending national federal government. Death education. There's no life beyond the grave. Euthanasia should be employed and suicide endorsed as acceptable ways to terminate life. And then lastly, human destiny. Man should take charge of his own future and realize that he has within himself the power to achieve the world of his dreams. Um, this is included in the Humanist uh, Manifesto in 1933, um, and you can see already how everything is, is already in place. This is from John Phillips' commentary on Revelation. Um, but it's, it's, it's been here, <laughs> and it's only getting worse. And the philosophies of the world, the ideologies of the world, are pushing toward this moment, and, uh, and we have to be aware of it. Then we get into seal number two in verse number three and four. And we see now a, a red horse. Uh, another beast says, come and see as the seal is open. And in verse number four, there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should uh, kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Uh, it's amazing when we come to the Christmas time, we hear a lot about peace, right? A lot about peace. Um, and all the other holidays that we celebrate, um, we think of uh, Thanksgiving, thankfulness, gratefulness. Um, I'm trying to think of just some general holidays, not, not Christian holidays. Uh, Halloween, we celebrate candy. Um, Easter, typically we think a lot about family. We, yes, we think about, as Christians, we obviously focus in on the resurrection of Christ. But as a whole, it's a, it's a fairly uh, positive holiday. Uh, around the world where it's this, this thought of happiness, family, that kind of thing. But at Christmas is the time we really hear about peace. Now, granted, it's in the Bible, and therefore it has been given to us in Charlie Brown's Christmas, and, uh, and in other places, peace, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Um, the focus on peace at Christmas is wonderful because God is the one that brings peace. But in Revelation, especially here in chapter 6, 
we see that peace is, is being removed. Um, the, the red horse shows up. Power is given to take peace from the earth. This red horse personifies a world war unlike anything we've ever seen before. The world has seen two what have been labeled world wars. And obviously they were massive. Um, a lot of people died. Um, there was uh, total destructions of, of towns and cities and villages and different things. Uh, this war is going to be so much worse, um, so much harder, so much more death than anything that's been seen before. The reality is, is war, wars will not stop until God stops it. And God's not going to stop it till he returns and ends it with the final war. Um, in, in the John Phillips commentary, I'm, uh, since we already were reading some, I wasn't going to read this too, but um, he talks about, uh, and they had a uh, scientific um, uh, study research about wars and how you could stop war. And they were trying to figure out ways to stop wars. And the conclusion, I'll give you the short, short end of the story, the conclusion was, is you can't. Humanity needs war. Uh, economics needs war. Uh, the reality was, at the end of the day, it's not good for uh, government leaders to not have war. They need it. And so they're going to always have it. And, uh, and, and that war is going to continue, and it's going to get, uh, it's going to rage. It's going to be horrible. Um, remember, the Prince of Peace came and was crucified. The war is what we're going to see on this earth, and it's going to get worse. Um, and and you, know, you know me not as a doomsday preacher, but it's going to get worse until God comes, till Armageddon happens, um, and God, God finally rids the world of wickedness. Uh, and it's going to be present, and we see that getting worse here in verse number 4 um, with the great sword and the, uh, the, the purpose of taking peace from the earth and killing one another. It continues to get worse in verse number 5 as the uh, third seal is open, and uh, another beast comes and says, Come and see. And behold, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hands. This black horse personifies economic disaster, famine, um, a great desolation. And the, uh, with that comes so much problems, right? If you take away someone's food... Things get pretty bad. First of all, they become dependent, uh, right, on someone to give them food. Uh, secondly, they get desperate, and desperate people uh, do desperate things, and it makes for more violence and more hardship and more more things like that. Verse six says, "The voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine." Um, it is a, uh, uh, really an attack on the poor. The person, uh, person's daily wage uh, would be able to typically uh, you know, provide for, over time, more than just their need at that moment. Well, in this time, it is a moment-by-moment, individual-by-individual situation uh, where the daily wage only takes care of the immediate need that, they, that they're going to have to eat right then. Um, if you want lunch, you've got to work all morning to get lunch. Um, if you're lucky. Otherwise, you're working all day to have one meal in the day. And so just showing that um, the, uh, the, the poor, um, the hardship that is there. I did some looking up. In the U.S. today, 30, the, the ranges between 30% and 40% of food is wasted and thrown out on a, on a daily basis. That's a lot. Back in 19... 
84, which was when I was born, uh, it was 15%. So it's doubled at least uh, in my lifetime, the amount of waste that is thrown out, food that is thrown out. Um, it's 119 billion pounds of food is thrown out in the U.S. Uh, that's wild. It's a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you look at people are corrupt. <laughs> um, power corrupts, money corrupts, and, uh, and the people who run the world, God runs the world, but the people who are an authority in the world, they're corrupt people. And uh, <laughs> famine's coming. And this, this uh, uh, famine and this hardship that comes during this time, it, it puts people in a situation. It says, hurt not the oil and wine. Um, there, there is preservation to a degree, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit society hard. And it's going to cause a lot of problems, and it's going to cause a lot of hurt and a lot of heartache. And with that, um, again, sets up the Antichrist um, who comes in and saves the day, so to say. Um, that's what they'll think, and uh, and like I said, I, I don't believe we'll be here for this uh, if you're saved, but uh, when he comes in and he saves the day the way that it looks, then everyone will just fall right underneath whatever he says, and it just continues the hurt and the heartache, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and we'll look at that in the other seals that come um, as well. Uh, in verse number 8, and I know we're going to get there next week, um, but you'll just see it says the, the fourth seal is here. The fourth seal is open in verse number seven, verse number eight. Um, his name that sat on him was death and hell followed after him. So you can tell it's getting, it's getting to get worse um, as we go through these seals. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a sign. It's a showing. It's a, it's, God has given to us what's going to happen. It's not a surprise. And again, it should, it should make us uh, just urgent and the need for the gospel. Uh, if we love people, if we love our relatives, if we love our coworkers, if we love our neighbors, we got to give them the gospel. Um, the <laughs> now's the time. Now's the time. And as we look ahead and we see what's coming, we it should just wake us up to realize. Well, if God says the harvest is is plenteous it's ready it needs to be gathered we just need gatherers um man it should wake us up that, that we are the gatherers uh, bring them in uh so, so that's what we're responsible to do and uh, we need to be faithful faithful with the gospel faithful to share what god gave us and make other people aware of what god did for them and see god's help See God's wisdom, uh, but we got to quit beating around the bush. We got to quit being lazy with the with the gospel, and we need to uh, understand there's an urgent need. And before long, this heartache that we see in these six verses and what we'll see in the next several verses, we we shouldn't wish that on anybody, let alone people we love. And uh, and so we need to be faithful with the gospel. Lord, help us to love people enough. Uh, Lord, help us to understand it's, it's about so much more than us. Uh, Lord, you're our example. Um, you give us the example of what it's like to love people who don't love you. So, Lord, help us to love. Help us to share the gospel. Help us to be ready. 
Um, Lord, help us to know what is ahead so that we can do what is necessary in the life that you've given us. Um, so help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.